right. Well, hello, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of Persuasion by the Pint. Jonathan Taylor, along with Sean McCool. Sean, we've got a fun one today. We're going to dig into an oldie but goodie. Kind of old. We're kind of in this stretch. We're doing some books that are, I don't know, at least 10 years old. That's you old, know, I think, this day I think there's some, yeah, I know the way <laughs> stuff comes in and out and goes away so quick. That's, that's like ancient. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, you know, I think it's fun to go back in some of these and pull out the principles that might still apply. And then also to kind of see if and what's changed. Play devil's advocate. Well, I mean, yeah, you're right. Like, like, like okay. Because you sent me this, something this week that was like, oh man. Yeah. That's so, cool. yeah, we'll talk about that as well. That, that link, um, that kind of goes against, yep. seems to go against. I don't know if it actually does. I've been thinking about it a lot this week. So we're mm-hmm. going to be talk. We're going to be answering three questions today. Mm-hmm. Um, number one is, how do you attract leads without selling? How do you gain access to people in your industry? Yeah. And how do you connect with and gain trust with your ideal customers? Absolutely. So all three are going to be answered by basically the same question which is going to be covered in the book that we're we're going to be talking about so that's yeah. my tease so we say the name or are we just going to leave it as a tease and i guess we can just leave it as a tease we don't have a guest <laughs> or anything so all right sounds good so all right yeah it's gonna be fun talking creatively how to market sell to people who will uh gladly purchase from you right yeah and so. i think i think the book is a little dated it was interesting as going back through it. Like I was looking at some of the, the pictures and, you know, screenshots they have in the book. And I was like, Oh, this really is kind of dated. Yeah. You know, the, the examples they were showing. Um, so, you know, it's like, but it's the kind of hard to still, find on Amazon, you know, you can't just yeah. do a search. Cause you get like, there's a number of launch books. Yeah, I would, I would love for him to, oh, to like come up with a new one. <laughs> uh, I'd love to see an update on this. Like, yeah. The site that he launched off the back of this book is still very, is still very popular. Mm-hmm. It's turned into a full blown conference business, multi-million dollar business. So yeah. Yeah. You yeah. Know, stuff's still working. Absolutely. Um, yeah. I'd love to see an update to the book itself. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's kind of, now they sell a, a conference that you can go to instead of a $15 book, you can go to a $500 oh, yeah. $1,000 conference. Absolutely. <laughs> And I think I, I would rather spend my time on that, don't you? Yeah. So um, <laughs> that's what he's doing. I think he actually sold the conference rights out, you know, yeah. as a separate business. So that's kind of cool too. Yeah. But it all started with this strategy. So the question is, does the strategy still work? And we're right. going to dive into that today. But before we do, mm-hmm. we've got a beverage, a rather, yeah. um, probably a rather strong beverage today. Mm-hmm. So pull it up on the old screen and it is from Royal Docks Brewing Company. It is called Vlad the Impaler and uh, it's Vlad. Is that Vlad? Did you pick that? I just, I'm already, I just noticed that you might be picking. Was this uh, timely with this? What's going on this week? No, actually that was probably <laughs> not good timing. Uh, actually, not that, that was I, poor timing. <laughs> it was poor timing. But I've been wanting to drink this one. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it is a Russian Imperial Stout. Yes, it um, is. And it was actually, let's see, it says, known for his ferocity in battle and unequal defense of Romania against the Ottomans and Turks. Yeah. 
<clears throat> even though it's a Russian style, Vlad was Romanian. So Vlad, the 15th century Voivode of Wallachie, better known as Vlad the Impaler and Vlad Dracula, is a folk here in his native Transylvania. Like its namesake, this stout is righteous, strong, and will leave an impression for years to come. So is Vlad the Impaler the same as Dracula? I did not know that. Did you know that? It doesn't seem like that would be opposite because in the way you kill Dracula is you impale him with a, a wooden... Yeah, it says it says better known as Vlad the Impaler and Vlad Dracula, a folk hero in his native Transylvania. That's how you kill Dracula is with impaling him. Yeah, with a wooden stake. Yeah. Huh. See, well, look here. These guys are a little graphic. I mean, come yeah, on. I mean, this is a very <laughs> like that can jumps out on the shelf for sure. It does. Black. Just that little bit of color. Little color, black and white with that bright red color Mm -hmm. um but this is from this is another ohio beer so you know up there in the pack that we got but this one's from royal docks brewing so this one comes in at a hefty 13.1 percent alcohol has ibu of 72 og of 29.4 and fg of 7.3 no idea what those two are Mm. but um I've read a couple different things on it, and let's see. Here's the here's one of my favorites. Like, pairs well with meaty dishes and creamy entrees. <laughs> Sold. <laughs> meaty dishes and creamy entrees. I mean. It's like beef stroganoff. <clears throat> yeah. That sounds like, like a, something that would go with a Russian imperial style, right? Or, yeah. Beef stroganoff. Shepherd's beef pie. Stroganoff. Little shepherd's pie in there. Anything with some hard G's and stuff in it would be. Would be good. So absolutely, a little schnitzel, schnitzel. Yes. Um, so schnitzel. yeah. So I'm excited to give it a try. Um, right. I'm always wary. It says uh, complex flavors and aromas of chocolate, coffee, and caramel, which I love. But I'm always nervous on these imperial stouts because they can come off so sweet. Yeah. Yep. They can. But sure. we'll be the judge. We will be the judge. I see you got your pen in hand. I do. I have it. Since you are drinking the same beverage today. Oh, look at that. That is a perfect pour right to the top. We have the same glass today. Look at that. Yeah. Well, it does suggest a, um, this type of glass. I forgot what this clouding glass is called. A tulip. (laughs) Chalice. Chalice. We'll go with chalice. Sounds better. That's beautiful looking. Look at that. It is nice. Got a little bit of a head on it, which sometimes these these imperial stouts don't. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, it's a, smells good, man. I can smell it. It's sitting on my desk, and I can smell it. Oh wow, that does smell good. All right, it smells delectable. All right. All right. Well, shall we cheers and then write down our scores? Yes. Cheer. Cheers. Zuh. Uh. I was going to do to Vlad, but I figured that may not be the best. I don't probably should do some more research before we get a a hail to Vlad. I was going to say Drago, Drago. Um, Hmm. Okay. Keep forgetting to write big on my card, but 
I've got my number. I've got the first part of it. You know, no, if you were ever a judge it. in a beer competition, you would be wasted because your your testing sips. You're halfway through the glass already, or did you not fill it up all the way? No, I, I've still got a little left in the can. Okay, but it's that anticipation. I would make the contestants really nervous. That's my yeah. You know, just kind of waiting, taking yeah. another sip, couple sips. Yeah, couple looking sips. looking mm-hmm. at them very. Uh, the, the editors and producers for TV would love you. They're like, look at all these commercial breaks we've got just lined up here with, with this right. judge. All right. I got it. All right. Okay. Ready? Yep. Let's go. Wow. That's a huge <laughs> difference. So for those listening, I went 4.9 and Jonathan went. Three, 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 three. Wow. Three. That is interesting. Like we've had some opposites in the last couple beers. I know. I don't know quite what it is. It's, um, and one thing that may play into it, I did put these in the mini fridge cause I brought them over from the house. They were, they've been in a pantry. So I took all our, our, um, show beers, put them in a pantry at the house. And what I do is, um, bring, bring them, them over, over put them in the mini fridge in the office. But I got over here a little late today to put in the okay. fridge. Maybe a little warm. It's still a little warm, so that yeah. may affect it, does, it a little bit. It does say on the can. Yeah, you have to keep it at two. Yep, exactly. Which, with some of the porters and stuff, you serve it like fifty degrees. Yep. So this is a little, little colder, and mine's probably around that because mm-hmm. I pulled it out of the fridge about fifteen minutes ago. It's, Man, you were close. Week. I mean, that's 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 saying a lot for you, four nine, because you yeah. Were, but it, I, what I like about it as an imperial stout, it's not super sweet. Like it has, it it's tastes not. a lot like a regular <laughs> coffee stout. So I was surprised that it wasn't sweet. And I mean, I, this is one that's even though it's thirteen percent, you could down a couple, yeah, pretty easily. Mm-hmm. And then you'd have to stand up slowly because I think it's the it's pretty heavy. I think it's the back end taste that I'm getting that I don't, I'm not a huge fan of. Yeah, and it could be it could be a lot of that has to do with the temperature of the beer. Yeah. Um, I don't know, but it's just not, it's, it's, it's pretty lukewarm. It, it didn't, yeah. it, it didn't cool off fast enough. So yeah. Oh. If <laughs> by chance I finished this though, <laughs> I have uh, come stock today. Somehow I end up order, uh, getting two of these in the, um, well, in I ordered two of each when I ordered mine. So, oh, okay. So I could, if I enjoyed them, I could this, carry uh, on. Oh, the, yeah, I've got one of those. The, so. the Pretty Boy Porter. So I may oh. break into that later. I'm not sure. Depends. Okay. All right. Well, let's uh, let's talk about this book we've got going on. Okay. Getting back to the roots of some of our podcast episodes. <laughs> yeah. When we were doing a lot of book reviews before anybody would come on our show as a guest. <laughs> you know, so That's right. We just, had to, we just had to steal our guests from Now we've got more Amazon. selective. So if we don't find somebody we like, we yeah. just go go back to our book. Get, you know. Yeah. So, so the book is called launch mm-hmm. how to quickly propel your business beyond the competitions by Michael A. Steltzner. He is the founder of social media examiner. Mm-hmm. If you're in the social media space as a marketer, you probably know that site. Yep. It's pretty popular. Yep. Uh, I don't know. I tried to find, you know, so the Alexa rankings are gone. Mm-hmm. They've kind of shut that site down or yeah. in the process of shutting if, it down. Yeah, effectively the summer is when they shut it down. Yeah. So um, I couldn't find like a clean, I didn't have a subscription to anything that would give me a clean like ranking to see where they're still at. Mm-hmm. But at one point they were like top hundred site 
Um, yeah. But this book is was written in 2011. And so he started Social Media Examiner a little bit before that. But literally, using what he talks about this book, they went from like nothing to one of the top sites in the industry. And granted, social media was kind of getting off the ground sure. around that time as well, 2010. So it was good timing. Um, you know, but in like 12 months without really selling anything, and then they started selling afterwards. Right. So we're going to talk about his idea, what he believes. And we've heard some other people talk about this. And then we've got other people. Um, Doberman Dan came to mind. Yeah. Like as the opposite of this. Because, <laughs> um, you know, I think we had we had him on, right? Wasn't he on we one did. of our shows a while back? Yeah. His book is Just Sell the Damn Thing. Mm-hmm. So it's the opposite strategy yeah. of what we're going to be talking about today. Yep. <clears throat> so... This is something you'll have to take with kind of a grain of salt and decide for yourself. I don't think it's one or the other. I think it's a little of both. I think it's both. Yeah, you got to have both. Yeah, you got to have yeah. a mix, you know. But I do think that too many marketers, especially direct response marketers, <laughs> overlook the power of what we're going to talk about today. Oh, yeah. Well, I and know Dan Kennedy always did, you know. Yeah. <laughs> he was like, um, I don't think he over, I think he, I don't think he, um, he I think he was, Cautious of relying too much on that part of it. But he did a lot of this stuff. He did, yeah. But he just didn't do it. Well, first of all, he didn't do it as much online, but he did do a lot of this stuff. I mean, it's it's basically a lot of the same things we've heard before. Mm-hmm. Um, this is just a little more intentional and a little less. The selling doesn't happen as quick with what we're going to talk about in this book. Yeah. yeah. So it's a little bit longer term strategy. Uh, which yeah. that, I think is why a lot of people don't do it because they're trying to get the immediate sale. They're trying to absolutely cash flow the business and all that mm-hmm. kind of stuff. So it does take a little patience, but if you can be doing this in the background, yeah, while you're out pounding the pavement, making some sales, I think this can really put a nice foundation absolutely under your business for years to come. Yeah, so. and it's it's you know it's. All of this has evolved, you know, we talk when we yeah. get into, cause we're going to be talking about content marketing from yes. this angle. And a lot of this, when this was written back in 2011, this was kind of at the, uh, you know, podcasts were completely brand new and right. now everybody has got a podcast. I mean, yeah. And I was, <laughs> yeah, I was thinking about that. Like a lot of what he talks about has shifted to podcasts. Mm-hmm. He didn't really talk much about podcasts. Cause like you said, they were new to yeah. 11 12 years ago. And it's so effective. I think, you know, the podcasting is so effective because it's, it's another form of, of a content that's easier. Not, not everyone likes to sit down and, and, you know, blog or anything like what was popular at the time. Um, but I'm noticing portable. a lot of guys building their platform nowadays with podcasts. I listen to yeah. several podcasts, uh, some that I think one that I mentioned last week, uh, a guy that's, um, Councils on dealing with teenagers. He's got a great uh, platform because he's got a, a really informative uh, podcast. So he's like gives valuable content up front, but then directs people where they can find out about his resources. So he gives complete value. And uh, and then there's another the um, we've talked about this guy before the um, uh, the brutal truth about selling uh, that guy who's got he does a lot of um, 
you know, LinkedIn videos, but he's also got a podcast yeah. and he's got, you know, he advertises his platform, which is so smart, you know, for, yeah. for people to do that because. Is he know, the guy that just like walks in his neighborhood yep, and does the yep, that those videos? Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Well, it's funny because in the book, Michael talks about, he did that for, I think his white paper business, maybe yeah. it wasn't social media examiner. Maybe it was, maybe it's both, mm-hmm. but he did that. He did some like when live videos was first kind of coming on, he did that as yeah. some of his content. Yes. And, and sure enough, it, it did really, really it well. It works. And it, you know, still works to this day. So he yeah, gets, like, he gets so many. So he talks about his, his, his courses, you know, mm-hmm. just in the, uh, podcast. So it's all a big, um, you know, it's all a big funnel, you know, I think yeah. that you're funneling people, but you're using kind of a broad net and kind of honing and then funneling. And, and you're not in. like, it's, and I think this is one thing Dan Kennedy did do really well because he did have content, but he was paid content. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. So his newsletters have, has always been like his core piece of content Yeah, that he got people onto. And then he would just mention a book or a course in an article Mm-hmm. on the, in the newsletter and you're not pitching it, but very intentionally placed. He'd say something like, like I said in, and then name the course. <laughs> so smart. Yeah. Or like I go deeper in the course and then just moves on. You're Everything like, Everything oh. is so intentional too. I yeah. Mean, and then you're like, well, crap, I got to know what's in the course. <laughs> yeah. And next thing you know, you're online buying the course. So I think, you know, um, well, that's how I that. bought, you know, that bought that, that book on, uh, reading cold reading you know, that we talked about a couple of weeks yeah. ago, just, he mentioned it in glancing, not, you know, not from an audio, but just in his book, he just mentioned it in one of his, uh, no BS books, right. Uh, in passing. <laughs> and obviously that's not a, you know, that's not anything that he's published, but still the fact that you've got that power of, you know, the, the, the power to recommend something or mention yes. something and people are automatically just going to say, okay, I got to check that out. Uh, yeah. So here's, here's exactly. And I, I wrote down, I've got like a page of stuff that I wrote down. Most of it comes from the first few chapters of the book. If you just wanted to get the idea, mm-hmm. you could literally get this book on, on Kindle, read the first couple chapters and it'll either be for you or not. And then the rest of the book is kind of the how to do it. Okay. So we're not going to go deep into the how to, because that gets into literally like how to do long form content, how to write good mm-hmm. blog posts, how to, get experts, you know, to write for you. Like it really gets into the nuts and bolts. Sure. But we'll just hit the concept and let, and, you know, listeners can decide for themselves something they want to sure. dive deeper into. But what the, one of the big things that I underlined and highlighted in the book was marketing still can't predict when people will buy. It just, it, it's never going to be able to exactly tell. And I'm sure some of our neuromarketing friends are like, no, maybe <laughs> we're getting closer. Well, yeah, we're, right. But we're still not exactly sure when somebody's going to buy from us mm-hmm. on any given offer, right. you know, things like that. We know we can get a certain percentage of people to buy mm-hmm. at a certain time, but it's still hard to know exactly when somebody's going to buy. So you got to keep kind of keep them in your ecosystem long enough. Absolutely. So they feel comfortable buying. Yep. So that was one of the big things. Um, people have channel overload. Like there's so many different ways to, to there's so many different channels coming at you now, mm-hmm. um, which is one of the things that I'm curious about. Like, does this still work with so much more content than there was 10 or 11 years ago? Yeah. 
like, does this still work? Mm-hmm. So we'll talk about that. And that's the, the article I sent you, which I'll pull up here in a minute. Yep. Um, but the, the fact remains less than one in three people trust marketing messages. Yeah. Yeah. What's the old saying? People, people love to buy, but they hate, hate to, to be, be sold. sold yeah. <clears throat> and that is so true. It is. It really you is. Know? I mean, I love to go buy stuff, but man, I mean, we've all experienced that with like a new car, right? Yep. You love buying a new car, but nobody likes to go through the process of buying a new car. Now there's entire companies like Vroom yep. that are cashing in on that, right? It's mm-hmm. like, yeah, just go online, buy your car, we'll deliver it to you. You don't have to deal with the dealership, anything. That's right. That's right. Um, I, you know, I don't think I could do that yet. I'm not there, but <laughs> the younger crowd is certainly... No, there's still, I think, yeah, us older guys still, there's a part of us that still likes a little bit of that process. Maybe it's, it's just being, you know, from a background in sales and marketing, just kind of wanting to uh, engage and do a little negotiation. I think too, like physically putting your hands on the product that you're going to buy as opposed to just showing up on a truck. I mean, that just feels weird for that, especially that price point. Yep. I know. I mean, there's people buying houses like that now too. Like sight unseen and just, I'm like, can't imagine. Crazy. You can crop pictures too well to like, (laughs) never know what's next to you or behind you when you buy a house. (laughs) Couldn't do it. Oh yeah. So yeah, we got people renting from us uh, in another state that haven't even walked through the house yet that like, Hey, uh, we want to, we'll take it. We'll take it. Yeah. Yeah. Let us, well, <laughs> will you yeah, accept housing. our application and we, can we go ahead and sign, do the paperwork and everything? I'm like, you haven't even walked through the house yet. We don't yeah. care. <clears throat> yeah. We, I mean, we almost care. did that moving here because it was so tight. That's so right. yeah, it's hard. Totally to get it. I'm glad we didn't because we would have made the wrong choice. <laughs> yeah. I will say that. Hope your future client, your future tenants are not listening. Um, <clears throat> they're, they're paying so, cash up front. So <laughs> yeah. Good. <laughs> No refunds. No refunds, buddy. <clears throat> but no, it's uh, it's fascinating going through this book and and looking at, from my standpoint, just how, you know, how much has changed, but how the fundamentals are still the same. Right. You know, it's out. It's it's all about getting quality. Um, you know, quality out there, not quantity, but quality, is the key word. And I think yeah. that people have uh, burned out burn themselves out because they focused on getting uh, quantity of content out rather than quality of content and very formulaic yeah. content, mm-hmm. which is what the article I sent you talks about, right? Absolutely. It talks about yeah. if you put in a keyword search, we'll just go ahead and talk about that. There was an article that came out. Um, let's see if I can find it real quick where I sent it to you. Oh, the one on um, yeah. SEO. Or, uh, yeah, title is great. Google search is dying. Mm-hmm. All right, so that's a great title. Let me throw it over here in the proper window to share. All right, so this article um, from DKB.io. No idea what that is. DKB.io, but it, the the title was Google search is dying. This is a fresh article from February fifteenth, twenty twenty two, updated on February eighteenth. So. And it talks about how Google search is dying and that Reddit is actually making a huge comeback. Yes. And if you look at one of my favorite sites, charter.co, mm-hmm. um, 
they do some great graphics. I'm on their newsletter every week. It's got some good stuff. But you can see the trends where this place called MySpace apparently is not popular anymore. I probably should take my page down. Um, Ebo, I never heard Wait, of. What? MySpace. Friendster. Uh, All right. But, but you can see Facebook has fallen off a cliff in the last five years. Mm-hmm. Twitter went down and came back up. Snapchat is falling. Big Instagram time. is starting to decline. Yeah. Or Reddit. Bit, yes. Reddit has actually been that. taking off fire. straight up the last 10 years. Yeah. And then TikTok, of course, is going crazy. You know, it's kind of taken over and, and Zuckerberg even admitted that they're scared of TikTok, basically. Yeah. So Reddit is actually taking over a lot of people's Google if they really want answers. Because what this article talks about is that if you go to Google now and you and you type in the whole first page, or not the whole first page, but you'll get three to six ad spots before you get to organic content. Mm-hmm. And then if you'll notice, and, I, and I've, I've run across this a lot because when I'm doing research to write emails for clients or things like that, I will get the same basic article from about five different sites. I mean, almost word for word, the same articles. Oh yeah. Yep. Because they're using the same formula. They're looking at the top rank thing and they're just trying to improve sure. on what that, person did instead of coming up with something original or things like that. So what people are doing is they're moving over to places like Reddit, Quora to try to get like real world answers from real people mm-hmm. instead of an SEO formula answer. Yep. So, I've, so that's, that's where you got to keep this in mind. As we talk about creating content, you can't just do the old SEO formulas anymore. No. And I'm not even sure the algorithms, I mean, obviously Google's algorithm still likes it because it's mm-hmm. still working. Mm-hmm. But if you really want to gain the trust and do the things we're talking about, you're going to have to create a little bit better content. And, and like you said, Jonathan, I think that's where podcasts just lend themselves naturally to absolutely uniqueness. Um, yeah, controversy. I mean, use, yeah, um. controversy. Like, <laughs> But you use podcasts to, you do this in your business with, with your industrial... Absolutely. I mean, this is, this is a key it. component. It is a key component and it drives a lot of, not so much from the individual listeners to buy, but from the mm-hmm. companies that want to sponsor that, um, yeah. send me a lot of money, um, to yeah. advertise on that. And so just in the last week, you know, I've got two new, uh, two new huge sponsors on that show just because they're like, you know, segmented content into a particular, you know, industry. Um, you know, and we talk about that. A lot of times we have conversations, you know, they'll have their uh, marketing people reach out to me initially. We'll have a conversation. But you got to think about this. Companies out there are spending fortunes to run, you know, advertising, one-page advertising, half-page advertising um, in trade journals, which are, completely dying who reads a trade journal anymore outside of you know everything's digital now you know occasionally companies will do a printed version maybe a quarterly trade journal they'll send it out but i'm going to tell you from my experience in my industry and i do a couple of podcast industry specific podcast and one of the feedbacks that i get and i talk to a lot of companies and i talk to a lot of members and associations they hardly ever read the trade journals. I mean, they're like, you know, oh yeah, it sits on the, it sits on our, um, in our in the lobby reads, in our office. 
<laughs> yeah, you know who reads it? The marketing manager to yes. see where his ad fell. That's right. <laughs> That's the only person reading yeah. it. Everybody's looking to see where their ad got placed. Exactly. And if it's correct. That's right. And then nobody else is reading it. No one else is reading it. Maybe it's, the copywriter. Yeah. And I, so they, I read them. They spend thousands of dollars for a single page ad. And mm-hmm. I tell them every day, I was like, would you rather spend, and that's a question I always ask them, and it's usually the closing, the ace closer is when I ask them, you know, would you rather be spending, you know, five grand for a one-page ad, or would you rather spend that money on, you know, six months of podcast advertising where your listeners hear you on a regular, you know, every couple of weeks on a regular basis, it's timeless, it's evergreen, yeah. and... Um, you know, your traffic, you know, you're, you're mentioned and you're talked about. Plus, you know, you do interviews, you know, with the people. Typically, that's part of the packages. You like have the companies come on your show and do an interview. Right. And, um, you know, it's, you know, podcasting is one of the most, to me, I say it's one of the most intimate ways of marketing because people hear your voice on a regular basis. People get familiar with who you are. And mm-hmm. so that builds a lot of trust right there because they hear you on a regular basis. Well, you know, you, you just mentioned something that is part of a formula that he kind of bases the whole entire book on and the whole entire idea of, of content. He's got this formula, CG plus OP mm-hmm. minus MM equals G. So let me break that down. CG is, man, I already forgot, content. Yeah. <laughs> That's a big content one. <laughs> something. What's the G? What's the second G? The first G? Um, con- great content. Great I had content. it backwards. GC. Yeah. That's why I couldn't get it right. I wrote great it down content. Wrong. Yeah. Great content plus other people minus marketing messages mm-hmm. equals growth. Yeah. So what you just said about having guests on industry experts is one of the things he talks about a lot. It's like you don't have to make all this content yourself. No. There are people out there who are already experts in your industry that would love a platform to talk Absolutely. on. Absolutely. Yeah. To get in front of the right people, which is what your guests, not only are they loving to give you content, they're paying to give right. you content. Right. You now, he's actually having people do content for free. I mean, they're not paying, but that's probably a model you could do as well. Mm-hmm. But that other people is a big reason why he was able to scale social media examiner so fast is he went out and found the experts and put them all in one place and became the place for people to come to. So he says, if you really want to do this right, you want to own the place people go to for help. Yep. Yep. So your podcast, Jonathan is like that, right? Yeah. It's one of the places in your industry. It's a small industry. Yeah, it's 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 a niche, but you own yeah. you're like the you're like the big fish in a small pond. You know, you mm-hmm. the analogy of the big fish in a small pond. Well, that's yep. what I like being. I don't like being another uh, you know, medium-sized fish in a large pond. I like right. being a big fish in a very small pond. Um right. to me cuz I stand out. So that's kind of the philosophy that I always had is like let's let's be the big fish in the tiny pond where people recognize me and I don't have to do as much work. I just have to associate myself with people that are the experts. And I, as long as it's a lucrative pond, right? Yeah. It's gotta be a lucrative. Yeah. You want, (laughs) you want people with, you know, you want, you want uh, big money in that pond and opportunities for sure. But, uh, 
But yeah, and I think that's, you know, there's, we, we, we go back and forth on this debate on niche marketing and broad based. And, and I think, yeah. I don't think there's a single formula that says this is the way you should do things. No. Um, I think it's good. You can start small and then you can broaden yourself or you can do, you can go vice versa. But, you know, I've found it very lucrative to be in a, you know, for years to be in a, uh, a very small pond and build a lot of big, uh, you know, platforms in that industry that other people weren't doing. They were like, oh, we, we didn't think about this. Or if they're doing it, they're not doing it consistently. They're doing it, you know, some of my competition out there in the industry that do podcasts, they're putting out podcasts once every three months, you know, and that's, right. you know, that's not a recipe for success, yeah. but they're not doing it. around to it type yeah. thing, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, because podcasts are cool and they think they're supposed to be doing it. So it's just right. kind of in the marketing rotation, yeah. but it's not a focus. Absolutely. And they're treating and it that, as just another side thing that they're supposed to be doing. Whereas I'm treating it as a, a legitimate marketing tool for, and that's a great point. Yeah. From a number because, of different angles, like to make income from, obviously to make income from, um, you know, it's like my side hustle is building income from the sponsorships, which you know, I'm always got a, you know, a kind of a funnel of those coming in, but right. then just absolutely, you know, interviewing people that are potential clients of mine that I can work with. So, um, so it, it kind of tackles that in two different ways, uh, for me, but, um, and then I'm building listeners on this, on, you know, on that, which is giving me influence that I can, you know, then sell back to my advertisers and sponsors. Well, yeah, I mean, you can just put, you know, just putting in your signature that you're the host of Composites Weekly Podcast, right? Like on your emails, yep. like, oh, yeah, this guy's not tag. just a salesperson. <laughs> yep, you know, he's he's obviously an expert, you know, podcast yeah. host. Yeah, every every tagline has a signature. Every email that I send out has a signature. Is the industry's leading podcast show which is true. Perfect. Yeah. So, I mean, it's like, you can't, you can't sum it up any better than that is like, you know, underneath my, you know, name and who, you know, my company and all of that, like the industry's leading podcast show. So, yeah. Um, yeah. And that, I mean, that has a lot of weight. It's one line, but man, it has a lot of weight. It's kind of like the, you know, the as seen on that went around websites for yep. a long time and still are still yep. are there. Right. Yep. Um, we know those are, somewhat manufactured a lot of them <laughs> yeah yeah but you can tell the ones that aren't that are actually have been featured in a lot of that stuff and it does have a lot of weight in the beginning it was like whoa and then you started yeah. realizing um okay everybody and their brothers using that but it's still even after that even after you realize that you know you still couldn't there's still some, there was still some, some neural, play there, some influence yeah, there that there's you still could, some bias that yep. goes on when you see that banner, Absolutely. you know, of as seen on. Yep. Um, and most people aren't going to do the research to find out like where right. it was or right. any of that kind of stuff. Right. Yeah. So own the place people go to for help. Another thing is that he said, he said, help people with smaller problems and they'll seek you out for bigger problems. Yep. Oh, I certainly agree. Yeah. So if you can give people like insights, another thing he said is, Everyone wants access to great insights and great people before mm -hmm. they want access to great products and services. Mm, yes. They want and, to know that they can turn to somebody for advice, insights, um, information, connections, or whatever before yep. they want to start buying your products and services. Absolutely. And 
That's a great point because I think that there's one, um, and I've always heard this, but it's true. It's like give, you know, give your best information away free up front because people yes. won't hesitate to buy your other stuff. You know, and it's that's like so, sometimes that's some, so scary though, isn't it? Like, oh, it is, it is, because like people are like they totally like, counterintuitive. I'm going to hold back my really good stuff because that's the stuff right. I want to sell, but I'm going to give out this basic stuff and, and kind of bring them in. No, that's not the way it works because people aren't going to buy from you. You got to get your your better than best stuff out there and give it away for free. And I noticed that from a lot of podcasts that I have literally purchased from, um, you know, just by listening to their, you know, just listening to episodes of their podcasts, I go straight to their website, order their courses one after the other yeah. and, uh, you know, become a lifetime, you know, member, you know, I'm on, I'm, I'm in their list now, you know, yeah. so they can sell to me like Dan Kennedy says, you know, I've got a, I've got a herd of, you know, cattle out there once, once I get on their list that I can just, I'm just herding cattle, you know, I'm just yeah. uh, sending out a promotion and boom, I'm buying. So, yeah. Yeah, that's so true. Um, another good point he makes is that you'll know your content is good because good content is shared. Mm, yeah. If your content's not getting shared, it's probably not that good. That's probably just, eh, yeah. okay. I agree. Or what's the what's the technical term? Meh. 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 <laughs> it's a technical okay. term. Yeah. Yeah. Who's going to share a uh, just a an average, you know, piece of content that you're like right. you're trying to hold all your good stuff back? Yeah. Um, people are certainly going to share that, and the more controversy you create through your content, even better. You know. Yeah. And he talk he goes into some detail. Um, I will go into that real quick. So he he does talk about some of the big types of content that you can kind of work with. Now the whole book, the reason it's called launch is the entire book is an, is a metaphor analogy. I don't remember that. Man, I can never get those two right. Mm -hmm. Metaphor analogy. One of the two of a rocket ship going into space and like fuel and blast off. I think it's way overdone in this book. That's probably one of the reasons the book didn't do great because it's kind of overdone. Yeah. Um, and he didn't let go of the metaphor because no, <laughs> like at some point the metaphor gets really old. Right. And it's throughout the whole book. Mm-hmm. But anyway, so he's got this thing called primary fuel content, which is kind of the initial blast off into space. Sure. And those things include comprehensive how-to articles. Like these are a thousand words plus mm-hmm. what a lot of people would consider a skyscraper article, skyscraper yep. article. So tw- yep. a thousand to 1250 words. Mm-hmm. Um so a title for something like that might be 21 creative ways to increase your Facebook fan base sure, or Instagram, yep. you know, or whatever. Mm-hmm. Another thing was expert interviews. Yep. Podcasts, as we've talked about, just lend themselves to this so well. Oh yeah. And even listicles work on podcasts. We haven't really done many of those. Um, but I think the few we've done have done pretty well. Mm-hmm. We do like a five, whatever, you know, Oh, absolutely. Reviews of books, products, and websites. We've obviously done that on this show. I know you've done that. Mm-hmm. Case studies work really well. Yeah. Um, tying into news stories obviously works well. Contrarian stories people love. So that article that I just shared, the you know Google is dying. Google search mm-hmm. is dying. So that's kind of a a um, contrarian type story because most people would not think that. 
Yeah. So those are some of the big types of primary content you're going to do over and over. And again, you don't have to write those yourself. Mm-mm. You could have an expert write those. Even if you give yep. them the idea, you can say, hey, here's the type of article I'm looking for. Yep. Could you write something on this? And be like, yeah, perfect. Oh, yeah. You know, I've shared in the past the story about, you know, when I was doing niche marketing in the veterinarian industry years ago that I literally mm-hmm. hired somebody off of, uh, you know, one of these freelance websites like Freelancer. It was either Freelancer or Elance or one of these sites. Found a uh, somebody who had uh, experience in the veterinarian industry, got her to write like several articles uh, that were tailored to um, veterinarians, you know, and yeah. marketing, several marketing articles. And so I told her, I said, my goal, my objective is to tackle this niche and uh, I just need, you know, I sent her a list of uh, blog posts and things that uh, I had put out. And I said, because I had done a previous book and I kind of like repurposed a lot of that content from the book, sent her, I said, I just need this spun in a way that's really tailored to the vet industry. I know almost nothing about the veterinarian industry other than the fact that they spend a lot of money on yellow page ads at the time, you know, yellow page. Yeah. no one spends money on yellow page ads now, but back then, you know, like 12 years ago, people were still, you know, buying one page ads and, you know, half page ads in the yellow pages, which is crazy. Um, they were still printing out their map quest directions too. <laughs> That's right. That's right. Um, so I sent, I said, I said, this is, this is what I want. Have, you know, write it to a tail, the, the tailored audience and please share your perspective you know, from your 15 years in the industry as a veterinarian uh, clinical manager. And she did that. She, she did a great job. She was a really good writer. Um, I hired her for years and she ended, I ended up taking a lot of the articles that she did. We put those on the website, uh, VetNet Marketing at the time, mm-hmm. and then turned that into a book that was really popular that turned into a lot of uh, companies you know, hiring for speaking engagements and all that stuff, you know, it was like crazy, you know, how you could take one series of content and just repurpose it into multiple platforms that you can utilize. But that's just, I mean, that's the value of, you know, whatever you're doing today is if you put out your best, don't think of it as, you know, your best content that you're putting out. Think of it as, you know, you're putting it out one time, put your best stuff out, but you can use that in so many ways. You can, you can, you know, you, you can put it out on a video. Like you can slice and dice and slice and dice, (laughs) make that thing like go everywhere. So let's say you take a 1250 word article, Uh like a how to article, right? Yeah. So it's probably going to have, you know, three to five points in it. Mm -hmm. If it's that type of article, that's the way most of them are going to be written. Absolutely. Yeah. So you've got nice sections. I mean, pretty much like your, your traditional high school essay, right? Mm-hmm. So intro, three main, right. three to five points, conclusion. Yep. You think about that, 1,250 words or so. Well, you can take that same blog post, mm-hmm. put it on a teleprompter, not even a teleprompter, put this five points on some index cards yep. and yep. sit in front of a camera and, and make a YouTube video. Mm-hmm. You know, the five reasons or the five Absolutely. whatever, right? Yep. Then you could split those up and each one of those points could be a standalone Instagram story or real or TikTok or I don't even know what all the names for these things are because they keep changing so fast, but you could do that. Right. So, um, and then you can do tweets about those things with teasers about each point that lead to the article, which 
which is actually one of the things he says in this book. He says, create marketing messages that drive people to your content, not your products and services. Right. And this is interesting because we're doing a test right now with one of my clients in the supplement space. Mm-hmm. And we're driving people instead of to the product page, we're driving people to blog posts about ingredients. Mm-hmm. Because what I've started doing for them is I'm writing some content around ingredients and what those ingredients do for you. Ah. And, and then saying by, Oh, by the way, this is one of the key ingredients in this supplement. Right. So people have been sold on the content of that ingredient. Let's say B12, you know, for example, why B12 is so important for your body, what it does, like all these things. So by the time you get done, you're like, Oh my God, I got to have B12. Yeah. I'm not getting enough, you know, cause it takes 46 yeah. steaks to get enough right. B12 or whatever. Um, Got to order some B12 now. Then you're like, but we have B12 in this supplement, which, but it also has all these other things that that help. So there's, they've started driving ads to those blog posts Mm -hmm. and a couple things. One for the most part, and I found this to be true at a couple different places with a couple different companies. You have to test it for yourself, but for whatever reason, Ads to content is cheaper than ads to a sales page mm. for the most part, like usually half or less yeah, the I cost, yep. right? Cause you're, it's, it's better content. It's more user-friendly, like, like all that kind of stuff. And, and the Facebooks and the Instagrams, they can tell the difference. So you're getting lower cost, you know, per eyeball. Mm-hmm. And then you get a chance for people to, to kind of get warmed up before going to the actual sales page. Sure. Yeah. So we've been doing that with some success with a couple of companies. Um, but if, again, if you going back to the idea, if you take that 1200 word blog post or whatever, break it up and now you've got 15 different places you can send ads to, sure. you know, in different formats and all these other things. The other big thing I'll say is that it is much, much easier to find a good content writer than it is a good copywriter, mm, yeah. a good sales copywriter. Yeah. Content writers are still copywriters. I don't mean to offend my content copywriters out there. No, that makes sense. But it is much easier to find a good content I, writer because yeah. the bar is a little bit lower. Sure, sure. It still needs to be quality. There's a lot of things that go into really good content, but you don't have to get somebody to pull the trigger No. right there. No, co- content writers you can hire, like I said earlier, you know, hiring mm-hmm. mine off Elance and, uh, or fl- freelancer or something like that. You can hire really, you can find really good content writers on that. Uh, copyright. Pretty cheap. Yeah. I, there's not. Like I could get a, I could get a 1200 word <clears throat> SEO, like not SEO, but a good piece of content, mm-hmm. original content. Absolutely. Probably for 150, 200 bucks. Easily. Yep. Right. The same sales letter that was 1500 to 2000 words. Cause it's going to be a little bit longer with the call to action and that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Probably cost me $5,000 yep. for a good, for the same quality. So that's a huge difference. Like you could put out literally 10 to 20 pieces of content for what you would maybe more than that, maybe, even, you know, 20 or 30 pieces of content for what you might have one sales letter. Mm-hmm. And you have these, and you're still pre-selling because you're still getting people to come around to your point of view and get to know your voice and all these things. And yes, you'll eventually have to have a sales page, mm-hmm. 
But then the sales page, here's what's crazy. Then the sales page doesn't have to be as good. Yeah. Yeah. Because they've already kind of built some trust and rapport, which is the hardest thing with a sales page to do is to establish credibility. Right. Right. And the content does that for you. Absolutely. Yeah. Content. What are they? What's the old saying? Content is king, buddy. Content is king. Is that still true? So let's, let's flip the script here. Now, do we think this is still true? Uh, yeah. I mean, I mean, look around you. I mean, what, I mean, content comes in various forms, but is it too competitive now? I mean, like, or do you think there's still space for some, like if I wanted to get it, like pick a niche and you wanted to go in and, and be king of that niche. Mm -hmm. Like, do you think it's too late? Because there's no. seems to be content mills on everything these days. No, I think you. I think you have to have. Um, you know, depending on, you know, your. I think niche is 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 a key because you have to have a niche either in an industry or you have to have a specific uh, personality. You know, in, in in the way that you package that content. Yeah. Cause, cause you've got to, you got to, you know, differentiate yourself in this day and age. The way you do that is either through an industry, you know, like I said, be a, a you know, a big fish in a small pond. Even in that though, you've got to have, you know, you know, you've still got to do some, uh, you know, there's some personality involved in that, even in yeah. niche marketing, but I'd say it's, 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 it's a lot easier when you hone in onto a niche um, if you're going broad based, you got, you definitely have to have a, an angle or a niche, um, on, on the way you're positioning your content because people have to, you know, they have to see something that's different or unique about you. It's like, you know, I use like, you know, um, you know, all these cooking shows, you know, you talk about the, uh, you know, HD, HGTV mm -hmm. guy Ferrari, it was it guy for, what is it? Yeah. Was, is that his, you know, he had that yeah. commercial at the Super Bowl. Anyway, he's got his own little, you know, he's got his own little persona with the hair and the, you know, just wild and crazy guy. You know, he had. Yeah, you know, and that's true with a lot of those cooking shows, especially. Like, yeah, they're really. He's got a. They've got a big. Those mm -hmm. chefs have big personalities. Absolutely. You know, to, to do those shows. Yep. Um, and even, even HGTV with the home improvement, the ones that take off, you know, there's whether it's the husband and wife team or whether it's a solo person, mm -hmm. they got a big personality Absolutely. that you, that yeah. you kind of you're engaged with, you know, and you want to follow them. And that's, right. you know, we see that on social media. Mm -hmm. I think this goes back to our, our point too, that you've got to, and some people don't want to hear this. I don't necessarily want to hear this. You know, when I think about my own stuff, like entertainment, like it's, it's, it, it's a big piece. Yeah. Like you have to be able to kind of entertain people, I think as well. It's crucial. But I think that it comes in a lot of different forms. It we, does. we, I think we stereotype <clears throat> what an entertaining person looks like, like loud over the top, yeah. whatever. But some of the best comedians, some of the best actors have been very deadpanned. So I think there's different ways you it can is. embrace that. Absolutely. Cause I mean, somebody that's loud, got wild hair and wears crazy clothes <laughs> is not the guy in my, in, like, composites. I mean, that's not what you want, like, coming into yeah. my industry because people think he's, you know, he's a little foolish. You know, they, yeah. you know, people would have that impression. And he might well, get even, some attention, but it's not the kind of attention that you want. So you really have to know your audience. 
before. Well, you even in the same audience. So you were talking about chefs. So there's Guy Fieri, right? Or, or Gordon Ramsay, right? Yep. These are, yep. so Guy Fieri is like very, but he's very, Guy Fieri is very fun. Absolutely. You know, he's like a buddy you'd want to hang out with. And then you got Gordon, Gordon Ramsay, who's just jerk. Like the drill sergeant, <laughs> jerk, you know? Yeah. But then you've got, and she was mentioned in this book, the pioneer woman, Reed Drummond. Yeah. You know, she's very calm, very quiet, very right. understated. And yet she's got this, you know, you know, multi-million dollar industry Absolutely. now around her right. in the same niche. Yeah. And that same cooking, mm-hmm. you know, kind of home-based niche. So it, it just shows that there's room for a lot of different personalities. There really I mean, is. There's, there's only 8 billion people on the planet. <laughs> 6 billion of them are connected to the internet. You know, so. Well, we've talked to our friend, Tim, uh, you know, Tim Davis. He's been on the show before. Yeah. You know, he likes to do, you know, he's kind of in the personal branding for, in the mortgage industry. He does a lot of marketing training for, uh, you know, uh, people in the mortgage industry. And so he's big on that. His, you know, he comes in with a loudmouth jackets when he does talk, you know, speaking engagements with the paintball jacket and, you know, that's his thing. And that works. That wouldn't work for every industry. You know, we've had conversations in the past. I was like, you know, I would love to wear that jacket, you know, at a trade show (laughs) for composites, but people would laugh, you know, you know, and it would get attention, but it's not the right attention that I want. You know, you'd need a, you'd need a jacket that had like, it was like a quilt, but it's made out of like different (laughs) types of composites, like Kevlar. I need a Kevlar uh, sports coat. That's exactly what I would do. Yeah, and they'd be like, ooh, is that, is that Kevlar? <laughs> is that 760 or is that 480? Oh, uh, this is a, the 480 weight, man. Yeah, it's it'd be a $10,000 jacket, I guarantee you. Yeah, but it would work. <laughs> yeah, get some attention. But that, again, you have to know your audience in yeah, order for that to absolutely. work. Absolutely, yeah. You have um, to really understand who you're targeting. And it's just and like the vet, the vet industry, and I'll tell you, I mean, I'll share some stories with you. And it's ultimately why I got out of the industry is because you have to really understand your audience and yeah. if you get into an industry specifically for uh, money potential, I don't think that's the best, you know, that's not the best reason that you need to get into an audit, you know, get into a niche. Yeah. You really need to have some understanding uh, of who you're targeting. And I got it from a uh, strictly monetary standpoint of like looking at what they were spending on advertising without really having a background. And ultimately yeah. it kind of led to me just, I ended up selling the rights to, you know, that niche sell, sold the book rights to somebody else. Uh, cause I just, I, I didn't feel comfortable being in that. So, yeah. Um, well, you know, I've been playing with an idea for a while now I, because of algorithms and everything else. I also think that you can, obviously you still have to have go after a market segment, you know, mm-hmm. you can't, but I think you can be the niche and let people find you just by being your own personality and being your own person because the algorithms are going to kind of put you out and you're going to start to, if you're consistent enough, long enough, and you have a good, you know, a voice, regardless if it's kind of over the top or super scientific or whatever it might be, yeah. there's a group of people out there that will be attracted to your voice and your style and everything else. And sure. if you just lead with that mm-hmm. within a, a broader niche, like, I don't think you have to niche everything down. I think you can be, let's say you're the weight loss person, which is a huge niche but if you've got a very specific personality, you know, that's, that's, even if it's similar to somebody else, it's still different than everybody else. Right. 
And if you lead with that, you will gather a following and things that, and you're still putting out good quality. Sure. Cause everybody's saying, I mean, there's nothing that's not been said yet. Yeah. Really. Uh, I can't think of, I'm sure there's something, but yeah, I don't want to be the guy. What was it? The patent office guy, like the 1800s, like everything that's been invented can be invented. <laughs> we should close up shop. Shit, there's nothing I don't else. Say, Forget about yeah, it. Yeah. I don't, I don't want to say that, but it, it feels like we're a whole lot closer now than we were then. That could just be me yeah. uh, being old. It's like the know. old Larry. He, I don't know if you saw the Larry David commercial during the yes. Super Bowl. No, terrible, <laughs> terrible idea. Terrible idea. <laughs> <laughs> That'll never work. Yeah. The toilet actually kind of made sense. Like I could see why people would be like, no. Right. Why, yeah. Why would you do that inside? That's gross. <laughs> Take it outside. That's right. We're not animals. <laughs> exactly. Uh, so, so yeah. But I think you can, I think there's a lot of room to just be yourself, which is by the way, not easy No, no. to really just be your authentic self right. without trying to be somebody else and do what that person's doing and look at what that person's doing. Like, it's really hard to just be yourself and trust that that's enough and like to, to go that direction. But if you do, I think it's really powerful. Absolutely. Um, Well, and I think that, you know, podcasting for me. Uh, because I can be, you know, everybody gets a little uncomfortable with being, um, you know, when the spotlight is on them so they don't know how to react. And I think when you're, if you, if you do a podcast, I think the benefit to that is it allows you to be, uh, the expert without having the spotlight on you. It feels very safe. Like, even though we, we also do it on video, like, Mm -hmm. Not many people watch us on video. We do that more for right. channel authority and some other stuff. Yep. Um, but there's something about it that feels safer than video, mm-hmm. you know, a podcast yep. format. Absolutely. Like, you know, you can edit it a lot easier. Like it's, but even while you're making it, it just feels pretty safe and like mm-hmm. just hanging out talking. Yep. Whereas video, there's an extra element, you know, does my background right? Is all this yep. other stuff right? And you got to get over that first. To get and, comfortable on video. Right. And just from the content alone, uh, it takes the spotlight on you, you know, off of you. Do you know? That's a great thing. You don't have to know anything. I mean, I'll give you an example. Today on my uh, my composites platform, I had two experts on. It was like a two-part segment for my interview. And we talked about supply chains related to the um, conflict over in Ukraine, how that's going to affect yeah. U.S. supply chains. I don't know anything about that. I'm not an expert. That's that's a pretty Uh, heady topic. Yeah. And so how is, you know, how is the Russian invasion of Ukraine going to affect our uh, raw material supplies here in the U S so. Which is like you said, that's a huge topic. It's very specialized. (laughs) Absolutely. It's also very top of mind right now. It is. It's It's, got to be covered. It's very useful. It's newsworthy. Yep. But you, but you don't have to be the expert. I don't. You can just. So what do I do? I go over to. My uh, favorite website for getting guests, helpareporter.com. I put mm-hmm. a little, type out a little query and I said, here's what I'm looking for. And sure enough, you know, I get a, you know, professor from uh, West Virginia and then a, uh, another uh, person who's an expert in supply chain. You know, I put those back to back, put the content out there. I'm just a guy that's facilitating Exactly. I'm just, I'm just a guy that's asking questions. Spotlights off of me. I feel comfortable. Here's the questions. Even I have the questions written out. You know, I typically send my guests, you know, here's a bullet point. I usually have three or four bullets 
of things that we'll talk about. And I center my questions around those. I usually don't deviate, but I don't make it so scripted that it sounds like it's, you know, a a really dry scripted thing, but yeah, interrogation. Yeah, yeah, exactly. (laughs) Uh, But I said, here's the bullets of kind of what we're going to work around and just be prepared, you know, prepared for that. And so yeah. we talk, we, we have a conversation around that and it's really good. It's good content, but I don't like, I don't, I don't know all this stuff, but they do. Right. And so I'm well, relying on them. Right. And that's what Michael talks about in the book launch, you know, that we've talked about. Yep. He's like, make your podcast website, whatever, sure. yep. a place people can come to for Absolutely. information and yep. you don't have to do it. You can get right. experts you know, a blend of your own articles and experts. If you go on social media examiner, you'll see Michael writes articles and you'll see a Mm -hmm. bunch of other experts that write articles and it's a good blend. And Mm -hmm. that's also, by the way, the only way you'll ever be able to like scale it and sell it someday. If you want to sell it. Absolutely. You know, cause it can't be all you. Yep. Um, maybe it could be, I mean, Dan Kennedy sold his newsletter 15 times and, But he always has to buy it back. So great story, know. by the way. I just got to mention this. I was listening to, and, and if you don't, if you haven't plugged into uh, the podcast that, um, you know, it's the 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 uh, podcast. You know, I know Russell Brunson. He's purchased that right uh, all the rights to that, but he's put out a really good podcast where he kind of assimilates a lot of Dan's old stuff, a lot of his yeah. old um, webinars, but. It's the, uh, you know, his, the marketing, the magnetic marketing podcast. Okay. I, I recommend anybody on our platform and I don't like the, you know, tell them to go to other podcasts, but that's a good (laughs) one. Uh, just because it's, you know, it's Dan Kennedy and it's a lot of his old stuff that you get from audios that he's written, but he talks about the, the fact that, um, you know, it's all about repurposing, you know, you got this herd you know, you got your herd audience, your listenership or your email list or whoever. And he said, you know, <laughs> this is kind of crass, but he's like, you know what? When I got a divorce, uh, you know, he lived in the state of Arizona. He's like 50% of everything. In the state of Arizona, it's like there's no negotiation in a divorce. Yeah. It yeah. is 50% down the middle, everything. You know, so everything's cut in half. It's like when, yeah. you know, after 22 years of marriage, got a divorce, Half of my wealth was gone. <laughs> so what did he do? He said, well, you know, when you have a list or when you have an audience or when you have a list, he said, that helps. He said, I was able to take that, that half that I lost, earn it back in 18 months because I had a list and I had, yeah. I had a platform in place. He said, yeah. I used that. And I said, these were the people that were going to pay my bills or pay that expense, that divorce expense that took half my yeah. income. And so that's what he looked at. It. You know, he's like, you know, I'm going to sit. The alimony club. <laughs> exactly. It's got a new level of my membership. It's called the alimony level. That's right. That's right. When you sign up, you will be paying my alimony. That's all you're doing. You know, he said. He, could, know, he Dan Kenny could have sold that too. Oh, like yeah, Absolutely. Because I'm sure there's enough divorced people in his list that would have like, I, I, I yeah. get you, man. I'll, That's right. I'll I've lost half. That. How do I get it back? Well, let me show you. <laughs> <laughs> you got a list? Yep. Start putting out the promotions. And and that's the the value of content is because 
I don't care if you podcast everything, you can take that, repurpose it, you can repackage it into material that you can offer to your audience and sell to them. And you know, well, people this is do the that one, all the time. Yeah, and this is the one thing that we haven't mentioned that I meant to mention that is different from buying ads. Yeah. Buying ads, <clears throat> you pay for every click or every whatever right. forever. Mm-hmm. Content, if it's good tends to be fairly evergreen unless you're in, you know, there's some market financial markets. Sure. A good chunk of your stuff is not evergreen, Mm -hmm. but the basic principles there, you can have a pretty strong foundation of evergreen content, even in very volatile markets like financial or health, although health doesn't really change that much either. Sure. Terms change a little bit, but for the most part, most people, in their industries, they can have some pretty evergreen content that lives on and actually builds momentum over time. Mm-hmm. If it's really good content, yeah. it gets shared a little bit more, a little bit more right. people find it years later, you know, um, like you said, it can be repurposed. You pull it out of the archives five oh, years sure. yeah. later and just freshen it up a little bit. Whereas ads, you've got to constantly be re ads wear out pretty quick. They do. Um, same with sales letters. They, they tend to, get pretty old pretty quick, especially as they scale and get more seen. So that's another benefit of the content mm-hmm. side of things is that. And here's the thing. We, as an audience, we forget about stuff we've heard or listened to. Oh, for sure. So when you repurpose stuff, I mean, you can repurpose stuff for years. Mm-hmm. And if I haven't heard it for a year, I completely forget about it. Or, yeah. you know, if anything. Or you're in a different place. Or you're in a different place, or you might have forgotten it, but you, you know, it re-sparks something. Mm-hmm. Uh, it resurrects something that you were thinking about or reminds you of something that you need to do. So there's value in that. Just because someone's heard it one time doesn't need, doesn't mean that you can't, you know, utilize it over and over again. Because people hear things at different times. People forget things. Yep. And it benefits them just like this, you know, some of this old Dan Kennedy stuff I've heard before, but hearing it on the podcast platform is like, is a reinforcement and a reminder of like, Oh man, that is really good. And yeah. I used uh, to do that. Now I'm not doing it. Maybe <laughs> I'm not I doing pick, it. Right. Maybe I should pick that up I should again. Pick it up again. Uh, yeah, exactly. So, and how many times has he said that same thing Yeah. over the past 30 years, you know? Yeah, absolutely. And Fact is, you know, 1% of the people are doing it. So mm-hmm. he can keep saying it and That's people right. are like, yeah, man, I should really get around to doing that. <laughs> then they forget about it. And then yeah. six months later, they hear it again. They're like, That's oh, right. yeah. That's right. So yeah. you're actually doing people a favor by repeating. You are. People, your best stuff. people are, have limited memories and especially, I mean, in this day and age, people have so much going on. So you really, people are, I think, grateful for the fact that you can, you know, have information out there that you can remind them because there's so much yep. going on. You just need to re- be reminded. And if you can have a couple key things that you say over and over and over. So mm-hmm. core, my buddy, my buddy, Ryan, that like, yep. We finally got him down to like his, his formula for building a million dollar business Yep, is four products mm-hmm. at $25 each or four products at 25 sales a day at $30 each is a sure. million dollar business. Yep. Like that formula is now like he says it over and over. Bingo. People are like, oh, wow, that's, <laughs> it's so a, lot simple. Than I thought. I thought should, a lot easier than I thought it should we be. Should, we should add some things to make it a little more yeah. complicated because that sounds too easy. <laughs> but then when you get in his world, you realize that like <laughs> there's a lot involved to creating four products and getting 25 sales a day. 
at $30 Absolutely. each, right? There's yeah. a lot that goes into that. Sure. So it's unlimited content. Yeah. But as a core message to new people, even to existing people to, to remind them to simplify and come down, it's like, oh yeah, that's the formula. Yeah. You know, it's like um, Brooke Castillo at the Life Coach School that I've, I've done some work with. Like she's got her formula and she just repeats it over and over to everything comes back to that. No matter how she packages it always comes back to your, their core thing. Sure. So, you know, and in this book launch that we've been talking about, his is great content plus other people minus marketing message equals growth. Yep. So if you can make great content, you can use other people to help you make it. Mm -hmm. You, and you don't over market to people. You, you, you know, pull back and just let people kind of seek you out and make a few limited offers. Mm -hmm. You'll get more growth than you would Absolutely. always constantly pounding marketing messages. Bingo. So all Bob right, Bly, who we, you know, we've had Bob Bly on the show several times. Yes. He was one of the first contributors to social media examiner actually. Really? Okay. Yes. Um, yeah. 20 well, experts. He's still, I mean, he's gotta be, what is, you know, I, we never ask his age when he comes on here, but he's kind of 120, 125, something like that. Easily. He's written so many books. I've lost count, but he's got the wisdom of a centenarian. <laughs> centenarian. Is that what it's called? Yep. But you know, I get his emails on a regular basis. I mean, he's so consistent about that. You get his emails, but uh, you go back and time and time again. And some of these emails are, I mean, he doesn't write new emails all the time. He just, they're, they're recycled emails. <laughs> yeah. So some of these emails, I know I've read like five years ago, um, yeah. you know, on his list, but they're recycled back and I usually, you know, pick up something cause he gives value in his email list, yep. you know, to his email list when he sends out something. And then I go back and time and time again, I still to this day, you know, after, you know, 12 years, I'm still going back to bly.com and buying yep. you know, $30 eBooks. Yep. Uh, sometimes three times, two or three times, you know, like stuff I've bought before, like, damn, that sounds really good. Um, yeah. And then come to find out, you know, I've purchased that in the past, you know, it's like, I'm, and you don't even ask for a refund. I don't, I don't. Cause Cause you like like, Bob so you know, much. It's 30 bucks and it's Bob and it's just good stuff. And he does a great yeah. job. So, Exactly. That's what it looks like to have a raving fan, folks. That's what you want. <laughs> raving. You want, that's perfect. You want one, you want one guy, one sucker out there that'll that's buy right. your same stuff three times. Mm -hmm. Yep. That's the perfect business model right it there. Is. It is. So. It really is. All right, man. Well, I guess we should wrap it up. Yep. Um, Again, the book is, uh, if you haven't bought launch. it, it is launch. How to quickly propel your business beyond competition. It is Michael Steltzner. And uh, you do a quick Amazon search, we'll post a link. But um, if nothing else, if you have a content manager, like they should be reading this book because yep. even yep. if you don't think this is like the thing, it has so much good information <clears throat> and they will be so, if your content manager reads this book, they will be so excited about writing content because they'll mm -hmm. think they're doing everything in the business. Right. Um, that like they'll be on fire to write more and better content. Absolutely. So. Yep. If nothing else, give it to your content manager and have them put all this stuff into action. By the way, before we wrap up, I just got to say I tapped into the... <laughs> the Lock 15. I'm not going to give it a rating because we're going to have this one on, 
you know, at some point, but I had yeah. two of these. Okay. Uh, pretty Boy Porter. And I got to tell you, it's pretty good. So, no All rating right. on this episode, but. All right, we'll, we'll put that one on the list for next week. <laughs> it's good. It's better than my, in my opinion, it's better than the first one. But we'll see. You had a good right. rating on that one. So. I did. I really like that. Like, I may go have a second here. Well, to all of our listeners, you can find us over at Persuasion by the Pint. You can find us on all of your podcast platforms, Stitcher Radio, iHeart, Spotify. And uh, we'll be uh, posting a link to the book uh, launch. If you like the show, leave us a five-star rating. We greatly appreciate it. See you.